Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, greetings. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour, <laughs> where our goal is to be more, do more, and have more. Today, today we have a, a fun-packed show with Dr. Cherry Collier. Uh, Dr. Collier is the CEO of People Psychology. Dr. Collier also has a Ph.D. from the University of Georgia in Allied Social Psychology. She is a master sales marketing coach and an author in several, of several books, including Move Out of Your Own Way. Dr. Collier, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm sure you had a power. What is it that you usually say, a powerful day? I had a very powerful day. <laughs> <laughs> Today's topic is what do you believe? That This is part two from our show of last week. Okay. I, I, I don't want to... Uh, take up a lot of lot of time. I want to get right to it with you because uh, I've been waiting for the opportunity to have you on the show. And, and you know, the world right now is trying to rebound and we're, try, we're all trying to come to terms and grips with what happened at uh, Virginia Tech. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you think the kids will be able to rebound, uh, to rebound from this uh, situation? You know, I think it really ties into beliefs and that's the, that's, kind of ironic because that's what we're talking about and my belief is that it doesn't matter what happens to you it it matters how you respond to it and I don't believe that there is any tragedy or anything in the world that we can't get past right and um, one of the, the things that um, psychotherapists because I'm not a, a therapist and I, I thank God every day um, <laughs> that I'm that I'm not um, and not that there's anything wrong with with therapists I think that they are much needed and I think that a lot of times people want to pigeonhole um, what's possible for people. Yes. And I'm a fervent believer and an NLP um, trainer and master practitioner that whatever has happened to you, literally, you can get over it in like 15 minutes because the big thing is for you to get the lessons. And a lot of times what we allow is, society or other people to say, oh, you need, you know, there's definitely a phase. I mean, there's six steps to uh, the process of moving forward in terms of, you know, death and, and you go through the anger phase and you go through all that. But for the most part, it's going to be the belief of the people that that situation isn't going to define them and that they're going to literally move forward and, and live every day to the fullest. Wow. It's interesting. Um, what do you? How do you think the parents, as parents, how do you think they will be able to let go and, um, you know, have the kids return back to the campus to take their finals? I know they're coming up here at Florida State. Their finals are going on next week. So I know for them uh, their finals are, are coming up, and a lot of the kids are right at the right at the door of graduating. I mean, how, do you, how can you have these kids go back to the same building where uh, – kids that their, their you know fellow students were killed uh, how, how can they yeah and the, the truth is is when you really start to think about it we can be killed walking across the street and and the most dangerous thing out there is our vehicle so death is is something that's going to happen in life and and it is something that definitely when it happens in, in this way people feel bad and, and, and we want to to really hold tight to what we have yes. and what I want to encourage people to, to see that death is always the gift of life. 
So when a person dies, it doesn't matter how they died, that really means that their life purpose has been fulfilled. And I heard this, um, this story, and it's one of my favorite stories, and it, it says that a woman gave birth to a, a baby, and in the night, the, the baby um, was sleeping, and the mom, you know, went over, and the dad looking, looking at the baby. And in the nighttime, the angel of death came to see the baby and invited the baby home. And when, when the, while the baby was, was going home, you know, the, the question was, why was I chosen or why did you call me? And the angel of death said, we all get the same amount of time, and that is a lifetime. And what we've got to realize is that that lifetime for some people is one hour, and for some people it's 110 years. And the question is that Jesse Jackson always um, puts in our heads is, you know, what are you doing with that dash? And as the parents really start to think about it, they will never be able to protect their children from anything like this. And the best thing to do is to love them and to release them. Yeah. And you know right now uh, the entire world, everybody, everybody's saying, what if? What yeah. If? And we can, you know, I, call it, I, I like to say we can shit all over ourselves. I mean, we can be <laughs> shitting forever. And what if and two. And those things aren't the things that happened. So the the fact of the matter is, is is this incredible situation happened, and it's a situation that's going to cause people to come together and to be stronger and to value life more. So even in what can be valued as a negative situation, if you can find the positive and and find the the power that exists in that situation, and also when you think about people that are no longer with us, because my father is no longer living, one of the things that I always tell people and remind people, if you're not with someone right now that you care about, that's no different than them not being here. Because the truth is, is we all we have with other people is just a memory. So what I do whenever I want to be with my dad is I just pull up a, a picture in my head and I just brighten that picture and I color that picture and I just, you know, see his smile with me. Because the truth is, is that when he wasn't with me in the daytime, all I had really was a memory anyway. Wow. So you, that's what you carry with you all day are memories. So what you're saying is thoughts are things. Thoughts are things. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us, you, this is the Abundant Solutions Hour. And we have uh, our guest, Dr. Cherry Collier from Atlanta, Georgia. If you have any questions for her, the phone number is 718 five zero eight ninety six hundred. I have on the line right now Terry Brock, the president and CEO of Power Behind the Dream. Terry, good evening. How are you? Hello, great. I'm fine. Hi. How are uh, you? Good. Uh Terry, did you have a question for Dr. Collier? Yes, I do. Uh Doctor Collier, you were discussing the situation in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um what is the first step that they need to do, the parents and and the students, to start to heal from the situation. Well, when you when you think about healing, in order to to heal, you've got to be really aware. And I really think that they're going to have to give themselves permission first to feel whatever it is that that they are feeling. 
and not be so interested in getting to the next step because there literally are um, six, there's, there's a, a Kubler scale that you really have to go through. So there are going to be some phases that they're going to go through. And with that, going through this, because like I said, there's, um, you know, anger, denial, guilt, what could have, all of that stuff. So that's kind of natural. But you want to just really be in the moment and look and still realize that, yes, 32 people died, but look at how many people are still living. And with the time that I have left here, because obviously that has helped people to understand how fragile life is, what is it that I can do to literally make the world a better place? Wow. You know what? Uh, we, have a, we have a lot of people, uh, our re- religious beliefs are, are so different, and yes. some of us believe and some of us don't. Mm-hmm. You know, having seen something like this happen, what do you, what, what can we do or what can we say to the ones that were on the, the, the edge of, you know, j- just starting to go to church, just starting to acknowledge God for who he is, and, you know, they're stepping him into their lives, and then something like this happens. You know, what can we say to them to let them know, you know, God still is, even though this happened, God still is. How well, can we hold on to these, you know, to the ones that are, you know, on the fence? Well, I think that this shows you that God still is. See, my my perspective is always that, that whatever happens is absolutely in divine order. And what we have to understand is if if God wasn't God, then everyone would have died, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's always another way way to look at it. And the big thing is, is you know, when we do question question God, it's, it's not, again, it's when that little baby leaves this earth. The, per, the baby came for a specific purpose, for a specific time, and that work is done. So what we've got to do is really change the belief around this whole thing. When people die, we fall out and start screaming. Um, and, and really, the, while we're crying is for selfish reasons. We're crying because we're not going to see them anymore. We're not crying because they're, they have gone on to be with God. That's not why we're crying. We're sitting there crying because, oh, Lord, my daddy ain't going to be here to take care of me anymore. And if we could really release our selfishness and really start to understand that the gift of life is death. If any person has ever come into your life, and and you can think about whether they come into your life for a reason or a season, no one is going to be with you for a lifetime. That's the only part of the poem I disagree with. So when they came to you, they planted a seed and they left something that was for you. And if a person is, is not in your life any longer, well, you've got to know that they have given you what you need to succeed. So they've given you and whatever it is, and, and they have passed that baton, and they have moved on and transitioned on to the next phase of their existence. And you now have everything that you need for success. And that's kind of how I always look at it. And, and believe me, I, we're in the midst of um, the fate of my aunt. Um, we, my mom actually just left going down to Macon, the hospital in Macon, Georgia, because she's in ICU, and she's day-to-day. We don't know if she's going to, to make it or not make it. 
And with that, what I always ask is that God's will be done. You know, my prayer is not, oh, Lord, keep my aunt here for me. No, my prayer is if if her work is done, God, help me to recognize the seeds that she's planted in me so that those things can grow. Because every person that you have ever touched, every person that you've ever touched, if they're not in your life anymore, those seeds, those seeds are in you. And it's time for you to bring up those fruits. That's true. You know, I was about six or seven years old when I lost my first brother, Uh and I had to deal with death. I'm only six, seven years old, and I had to watch my parents bury their oldest child. And it it was so tough. It was so tough for me because I saw them. I've never seen them that way. I mean, it, it actually it, it tore up our house. Yeah. And my mother is a, is, a, is strong into the to the church. She's a she's t- taught a Sunday school for thirty thirty plus years. Uh-huh. And now she was faced with something like that. Uh-huh. You know, her oldest child, and it was an accident. Uh-huh. And and we had to deal with that. And I watched my mom and I watched my dad. Uh, I watched them suffer. Uh-huh. You know, I I, I saw that. At, at such a young age, and, and death, it did something to me because I really didn't understand. You know, yep. I, I didn't understand that, I and I could hear my mom and dad in their bedroom late at night crying. Right. You know, and, and, and I guess it affected me all the way up until I, you know, got, you know, got to be older. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, I was looking at it, you know, like it was. I guess I just took it for what it was and what I could understand from it, you know, at yeah. that age. Yeah, and I think if you interpret there, there see when when it's a parent, the view is different because parents believe that their responsibility ultimately is to always take care of their children. Yeah. So the, there is this piece of oh my goodness, did I fail my child? And it comes with a whole bunch of guilt. And I think that the the thing for us again to do is if we're going to believe, we have to believe. I mean, yes. my my thing is you, you I there's no reason for me to, to do God's job. So either I'm gonna say God handled this for me or I'm gonna keep doing it for him. And I I think that that's what we gotta really, really get into. What is it that you believe? For me, I fervently believe that God's will is done for me every day. And because of that, I walk around, and I am lighter. Things are light. Things that should, you know, the should syndrome bother me <laughs> just will not, it will not bother me. So it you just, have this peace. I have that... this everlasting peace. I, I have this joy that just comes over me in the midst of any situation, and it's because of my faith. It's because I have chosen to believe very strongly in God wholeheartedly. Yes, you know, and what a lot of people don't know, a lot of people know about my oldest brother, mm-hmm. you know, dying at, at, at the age of 14 and I was like six or seven years old. And then it happened 20 years later, it happened again. Mm-hmm. My mother my mother and father they had three boys and I'm the baby. It happened again 20 years later to my to, to to the middle baby, my brother Christopher, he had a bad accident 20 years later. Well, see, the thing that we got to understand, yet again, life is for you to die, okay? Yes. And I and that's a, that's one of my biggest challenges with the church because we we say the wages of death is sin. Well, you know, or the wages of sin is death or whatever. But to me, death is the gift because we're all going to die. 
okay? And what we've got to recognize is if you wake up this morning, that means you still have work to do. Yeah. And some people, I mean, your, your brother, and I know it doesn't, you know, for me it does make me feel better, okay? People ask me, being an only child and, and very spoiled, my father did everything for me. You know, how do you deal with the fact that you lost your father? And I said, well, I know that for me, I knew that my father worked a little bit too hard for me to be negative or, or for me not to smile. He busted his butt every day for me to have this type of life. So what I've got to understand is my father left some things here inside of me. He planted some things for me. That's my work. And I've got to continue my work until I'm called home. And when you think about what your brothers left you, your brothers left you something special that they didn't give anyone else. Your brother gave something to your mother and father that they didn't give anyone else. And once we realize that people are carrying specific gifts for us, and those gifts are for us to plant seeds and bear fruit once they are, once they are gone. So I kind of look at it like, okay, my dad is expecting some roses, <laughs> some major oranges. Yeah. I mean, because he knows what he planted in me in the time that he was here. And that's the way, you know, I had a cousin that was killed, 22 years old, shot, killed, never been in trouble, never been to prison, none of that. And we still don't know who did it or why, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, how do you deal with that? His birthday was April 10th. How do you deal with that? How do I tell my aunt how to deal with that? And the same, the same philosophy is this. In the, we're all going to die one day. We're not, no one has promised that we're going to be here till we're 100 or we're going to be here till we're 22 or we're going to be here whenever. When it's your time, you've got to go. And when they leave, when they leave, they have left you something. So the thing for me to do always is to remember what did Bradrick Marsh leave me? And I know what he left me. And what I keep doing is using what he left me to make these days better. And that's what you got to do with your brother. And that's what the people at Virginia Tech have got to do. And re recognize that death is the gift. Wow. So so what I'm what I'm what I'm hearing from you is you're able to release things mm -hmm. that you have no control over, yeah. you're able to release it to God and say, God, this is your will. Help me to understand or help me to uh, adapt to what your will is. Absolutely. And I must say I haven't always been that way. I mean, when I was much younger, I, I would even, my prayer when people would be sick was, Lord, heal them, make them better. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. and now literally my prayer is let your will be done because what I know about life is when people's work is done on this earth, they need to go. <laughs> there would be no purpose for you to be here. I'm a firm believer that people are brought to the earth when they are called. Somebody dialed up on the phone and said, you need to come here, Gregory. We need Gregory Turner. We need him here on the planet in this decade for this time. That's why you're here. You know, it's just like your answer machine. Who are you and what do you want? Well, it's the same stuff. So once your job, okay, because that's your real job. It's not what you do that's your job. Your life is your job. Once that part is done, 
you've got to go. You've got to go because you have planted the seeds, you've made the connections, you've done the things to improve other people's lives, and you move on. That's just what happens. I mean, it, it, nobody is going to be here all the time forever. Yes. Nobody. Uh, so and it doesn't mean that you don't cry. It doesn't mean that, you know, you don't miss them. But what it does mean is that this overwhelming sense of peace comes over you. I will, um, if you want, I can tell you a very interesting story about my father's death. Sure, sure. Um, when my father was, um, he was in the hospital, and he hadn't been sick, and he just had three. They said he had some heart attacks, and we didn't know, and he had to go for this major surgery. And he had a one-in-a-million shot of, of surviving the surgery because he had a tear in his heart, and they were trying to put it back together. And when I went, we, were, we moved into the, the actual hospital, and they had a hotel. We checked in, in there, my, my mom and family and I. And one night, I literally saw my father leave. I said, okay, you know, my father is ready to go. And, you know, he was on these machines and, you know, after the surgery, and they, his vital signs were good, according to the doctors. And I, I, I told my mother, I said, Mom, I need you to do me a favor. And I said, this is a big one. And she said, what is it? I said, Dad's ready to go. I said, and the only reason why Dad is here is because he knows that our prayers, we're standing over him like, oh, come back. Please come back. We need you. We love you. And I said, but, you know, Dad is ready to go. And I said, and the only way that he's going to leave is if we release him. So I went down and I carried um, Move Out of Your Own Way, my book, and I read the chapter in this book called The Man and the Saw because a part of my book is about my father actually had cancer. He lived 15 years past the time that they told him that he only had four weeks to live. So he outlived every doctor's expectation because he had this deadly form of cancer, this so-called deadly form of cancer, and he didn't die from that. So I went down, I read my little piece, and I asked my dad, you know, I told him, thank you for life. Thank you for what you did for me, and thank you for being a wonderful person. And what I would like for you to do is to go home because I know that it's time for you to leave. I know that. So my mom got up the courage, and literally, I'm, I'm really serious about this, the, the, the signs, everything there, his vital signs were, were straight across, exactly where they needed to be. And she cried, and she said, thank you, and she said, I, you know, I'm, I release you. And as soon as we released my father, within seconds, within seconds, the thing went boop, 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 all this stuff started happening, and nurses called, and nurses were called in, and my father went home, okay? Now, the thing that I love about that story is that I rarely tell it because most people don't know that. But I was able to use my faith and my belief to release my father and let him go on because he had done his work. You know, when people have done their work, we got to be willing to release them. It doesn't matter if they're three. You know, they've done their work. Let them go, and you will literally be okay because you can still talk to them. Yes. You know, you can pray. You can do whatever you need to do. So that's my story. <laughs> you know, uh, I think we have, I think my friend is on from Macon, Georgia, Minister uh, Brown. Yes. How, do you have How you're in Macon. Yes. Yes. Well, that's where my aunt is, at the hospital. <laughs> okay. 
Minister Brown, do you what do you what do you use? Is this something? Well, not is it, but how do you deal with death and in the church? How do you guys deal with it? What do you usually say to the families that having to bury a, a three-year-old or, or 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 someone's husband or that somebody's dad or wife or mother? How how do you guys deal with that? Well, the Word of God says to be absent in the body is to be present with God. So um, basically um, what the psychologist is saying, use that funerals. I mean, when you have someone laid out, they, they have basically lived their life. There, there's no more that can be done for that person. But the ones that you have out there, you know, you tell them, you know, to make the most of their life. And if they don't know God, get God today. So you're basically not... Um, saying anything concerning, you know, and, and wanting the family to be sad over the body or the shell that's, that's there because they have done what they were sent here to do when they time, you know, God called them home. So basically, you know, I haven't done a funeral, but I know how to carry one out. You basically want to bring a message to, you know, let the living know that life does not end because this person is gone. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to miss them. You're going to, like she said, you have the memories and, you know, the things that you all shared but what are you doing with your life from this point on, knowing that you too must go that way? Mm -hmm. Wow. If you're just joining in, this is the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have a wonderful guest, Dr. Collier. We also have Minister uh, Sonia Brown and uh, my co-host, Terry Brock. If you want to call in, if you have any questions, the phone number is 718-508-9600. And the topic is, what do you believe? Dr. Collier, how can we get your book if we, um, and I'm sure a lot of us um, that's listening, I, I, I have to get the book. How, what, how can we get it? Well, there are different ways. One, you can go to my website, drcherryc.com. And if you want the ebook version of the book, you can download it right there for $10. And if you want the, the printed version of the book, this $18 plus tax and shipping. So I always encourage people to go with the ebook, and the reason why I made it ten dollars was because it it has been a blessing to me, and I really wanted people just to to pass the word on, just just read it and pass it on. Okay, but you know, let's let's I, I uh, we have I have so much I want to get out mm -hmm. uh, of you. I want to pull from you because, uh, like I said, you're, you're such a woman of God. Let's talk about you know we talked earlier today. Mm -hmm. Share with with the listeners the email that you that someone sent you. Which one? <laughs> the snoop. Oh goodness! Cause I got an email. I just got another email. Somebody was diagnosed with um, post traumatic stress disorder. Okay. Well, I got an email from this lady, and she has devoted to her time. So she's really excited about this. She has a stop snoop campaign, and. I thought that it was really interesting because I, I, my belief is, is very different. And my belief is rather than spending time trying to stop people from doing stuff, if we spent that same amount of time with a child saying, hey, here's what the music does for you and here's another alternative, then you could really have a lot more impact. So I, I'm, I'm just here to tell you, I, I sent her back a message and I told her that I think that everyone has choices. And I think that I have a choice to buy or not buy Snoop's music. 
And I would love for her to, to clearly get a campaign around, you know, being proactive, what people can do and how we can have our own beliefs about whatever it is. Instead of, in some, in some ways, I like to say, instead of being victims um, of, of what other people are doing. Just my thought. I don't think that everybody has to agree. Yes. And also, what do you think about the, uh, the Don Imus incident? Well, I think Don, see, the Don Imus thing hurt me. I mean, I, I, I'm not an emotional person. I'm a total left-brained individual. But when I saw those, those women uh, with, at Rutgers and I saw C. Vivian, I cried. I bawled like a, like a two-year-old. And the reason why I cried is because I, I, I really realized, I was like, wow, you can be very successful, you can do a lot of things, and people can still talk about you in a way that would hurt. And it really hurt them. And I think that that's the part that kind of got me. It hurt them. But I thought that that was a specific targeted message to some people that should never have been delivered. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit different than what rap music does. Because I have a choice every day not to listen to rap music, okay? Yeah. Just like we have a choice not to listen to Don Imus. So. Yeah, that's true. Do you think right now it, it, it's like everything is being turned? Uh, do you think that they're looking for uh, a way of getting the, um, how would I say this, it's like they're using hip-hop as a means of saying this is why, this is the reason that Don Ima said what he said. Yeah, and they're using hip-hop as a, as a scapegoat because one of the things that I, I really thought about was when I was in middle school, people used to call me the B-word all the time, and they probably might still do, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but one of the reasons why they did was because I – was always interested in studying. I mean, I was in a gifted program. I just, I was a nerd, and I still am. I mean, I'm a little bit of a cooler nerd, but I'm still a nerd. I don't want anybody to think I'm not a nerd, because I am. And when they would ask me to go out and party and to do things like that all the way, I mean, all the way through college, I would, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that, because I never drank. I didn't do any of the, the, the things that, you know, some of the social pressures would, would have you do. And so I got called a lot of names. And what I noticed is is when the hip-hop started, when hip-hop started, it was it was right when I was in middle school, but hip-hop started with Sugar Hill Gang, a hip-hop, a hippity, the hippity. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have the B word in that song. So I'm saying to myself, this language has to be coming from somewhere. And I personally, this is just my personal belief, think that it's coming from some people's homes. Yes, yes, that's true. She, uh, we have a college student on the line. I think Shakira, are you, are you there? Yes. Do you have any questions for Dr. Cherry? Or any comments? I know, Shakira, you, you're going to college now, and I, and I know you're faced with, with the pressures of the world. Is there something that you're dealing with that you think that Dr. Cherry could probably shed some light on? Hi, Shakira, what school? What school are you going to? Uh, I attend Longwood University. Oh, cool. Where is that? Um, it's in Virginia, Longwood. Oh, Virginia? Yes. Oh, wow. So you're close to Virginia Tech, huh? Yes. Okay. 
What's the, well? Let me ask you this, Shakira, before you ask, before you ask Dr. Cherry a question. What's the what's the mood on your campus? What's going on on your campus right now? Um. Well, I'm not actually. I don't really interact with the other college students because mm-hmm. I'm in a gifted program, so we're like isolated from the rest of the people there. Another Dr. Cherry, huh? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know that story. <laughs> Hopefully they don't talk about you. Hopefully those days are gone <laughs> when they talk about the people <laughs> that are. So, Shakira, you have a question or any comments for Dr. Cherry? No, I'm just taking notes. <laughs> okay. So you're writing. Okay. Well, thank you for calling. I think we have a, a, another guest on. I think it's um, Janet, I believe. Janet, are you on? I guess she's not. Terry, did you have any other questions for Dr. Terry? Um, like Shakira, I'm just taking notes right now. Come on, you, you're picking the brain of a, of, of, of a doctor. <laughs> Come on, I, I know, I know there's something. Terry, you, you, your company is is power behind a dream. Oh, I like that. Go, Terry. Yeah, and, Go, and, Terry. Yeah, and Terry, <laughs> Terry's dealing with the youth all the time, and I know that Terry has some questions. I know that. Well, maybe you see that's the thing about people. See, I've got to step in here because this is my my life um, work here. Good. She might not have a question, okay. and because she might want to take it in. And what we've got to be willing to do in all situations is recognize that people process information differently. And it doesn't matter who we are. Nobody has been with you 365 days, 24 hours of the day other than you. So as the information comes in, what we've got to do is decide. Some people immediately react, okay, so that means just a question is blurted out, and and then you're wondering, why didn't they think about that? And then other people really, you know, think. The other piece is that some people just really like to process. And she might have questions three months later, like, you know what, she said something. (laughs) You know what, she better not come back to me and say, you know what. Well, that's okay because she can come directly to me because that's why I'm here. (laughs) You You can come directly to me because, I mean, you've got to recognize people process information differently. And and asking a question might deter her from hearing what it is that she came to hear. That's true. That's true. Thank you for saying that and clearing that up. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Terry. I, I, I told you, Dr. Terry, off the phone. He said, I'm not going to have her on the show again. No, <laughs> no, we, 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 you know what, Dr. Terry, you, the very first time that we talked, we hit it off. Right. And I think within the first 10 seconds of our conversation, you reached out to me and you said that you wanted to talk with me because I, I told you that I go into the jails and into the prison mm-hmm. and speak, and immediately you said, you know what? Email me so we can talk. Right. And you and the and one thing that you said that stood out to me was there is no competition. Oh, there is none. You know what I mean? There is. I mean, I just. Oh my goodness! What is the thing called competition? You know, I've never been able to understand that one either. Yeah, yeah. Could could you explain to them what you meant by that? By by the competition? Well, there is no competition because remember. There was a there was a phone call and that phone call was for you to get here. And I mean the the area code didn't matter because it was a straight seven digit dial and it got you. Right. And once you got here, everything 
you know, as they say, the steps of a, a good woman, and you might not say that, but you know, <laughs> no, a good man or woman are, are ordered. Yes. So what's here for you really has your name on it, mm -hmm. and nobody else can get it. You know, when we start to think about the beauty of who we are and whose we are, I get really excited because get this, nobody else has your DNA, right? Nobody. However, 99 percent of our DNA is in common. So you and I share the same DNA. Yes. Right? You, me and Terry and Shakira, we all have the same DNA, which means, which means that same DNA was the DNA that built the pyramids. That same DNA was the DNA of, you know, the, the person who invented the Internet, the person who invented computers, all of these things. So what that means is that in our cell, in each cell in our body, we have the potential every day for greatness. And that greatness is for you. So whatever it is you want to do, there is no person living or yet unborn that can take what's yours because it has your name on it. My name is on my stuff. Right. When I get my water, sometimes I, I when I'm at a conference, I might get my little bottle and I put a little thing on it because I, I'm like, this is my water. Okay. Right. I'm not worried about competition, but I also I'm not interested in somebody else picking up my water and in touching it. But what I know is that that water is mine. Okay. I take that same concept with everything that exists for me. There is no competition with another speaker. There is no competition with another anybody on the world because there is not another me. Nobody has my footprint. Nobody has my thumbprint. Nobody has my voice, tone, or quality. Nobody. Nobody has the strand of my hair. Nobody. So I don't have to compete with anybody out there. Because whatever is for me, God put that aside for me. Now, here's the, the cool part of it. What we've got to be willing to do is to walk, W-A-L-K, walk. The Red Sea was there before Moses decided to walk. Moses kept seeing that Red Sea, and he's like, woo-wee, that's a sea over there. God, do you see that? God is like, yeah, I see it, but what about this faith you keep talking about? Once we start to walk, walk towards what is ours, the red seas in our world, in life, just start to part. I mean, they will just start to part. All we've got to do is to walk without, without action. I mean, we've got to have faith plus action, faith and action. We gotta believe it's possible, then we gotta do. And as we believe and do, do you know what God does for us? He just makes everything that we want available for us. There's no competition. I don't know these statistics. People are always saying, Oh, there are no good men or not enough men. I'm like, that's because you programmed yourself to see that. You program. That's a that's a program. You need to delete that one. That you need a new program. But, yeah, but the math says this. No, what the math says is if if it is in your plan and if that is what you've been praying for, that is what you're going to get because there is a man for you if you want it, so right? You, yes, yes. Are you, With your name on it. Yes. Are you, I, I, I take from that you're saying that we need to get in alignment. We need to be in alignment, yeah. Wow. We need to be congruent. Yes. We need to walk and talk and believe 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's one thing, and, and I really value people that, that, that go to church, um, but I, I value people more that live, wow. that live what the Bible says, okay, that can take those stories and realize that what, what is really happening here is that Jesus has left me a, an example of what I can do. I can turn water into wine if I need to. I can do that too, okay? I can feed people, you know. I can do those things because Jesus, yes, same DNA, 99%, that's in me. And the once we really start to recognize that that is in me and, and you came from this perfect image of God, see, I don't deal with the original sin. You cannot get me to... To, to there's no book that can explain to me that there is an original sin. The only original sin is in is in man's mind. God created me in a perfect image, and it is up to me every day to live in that image. Does not mean that I don't sin because I do, and then I ask for forgiveness. However, I'm not focusing on that sin every day. I'm focusing on what can I do for God, or what can I do to uplift someone else. It's it's focus. It's your focus. Whatever you focus on is what expands. Whatever you believe is what you get. Well, you now, can, we're, now we're talking about who we are. Yeah. Let me say this. Who we are, this is a cool thing. You can ask yourself any question, and it will give you an answer. Okay? So you can say, am I the dumbest person ever? Your mind will find a way to show you. Or you can say, am I brilliant? Your mind will find a way to show you. Whatever question that you ask, you can get an answer. And your mind is going to help you get those answers. What questions are we asking? And who are we? Who are you? <laughs> uh, we have another caller on. Uh, uh, Brian, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> Brian, you're on with Dr. Cherry from Atlanta. Uh, you have any questions or comments for her? Um, not yet, but I am listening. Uh, actually, I Yes, I can hear you. I've been listening. Okay. Um, actually, I do have a question, and it was um, it's sort of like a question comment, and it was about the issue with Don Imus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was Um, do you think that it was more uh, sort of like a patriot, not patriotism, patronage, um, when they had those girls each come up and say, "This is how I felt about what he said." I mean, because for me, personally, it didn't really bother me too much that he said it because I looked at it and said, okay, who is he? Yeah. And does, well, he, see, and does it really matter? Well, it that, did, though, because he said it about them. So that's, right. a, that's a different thing, though. He said it directly to them. I mean, he didn't say... Um, Brian, he didn't say all the Brian's in the world. He said the Brian that's on the phone right now. You're a you're a nappy headed what? So right. I, but, I know, heard, go ahead. And, and while I, I I understand what you're saying, but if you look at what they were talking about, I've heard several comics and several different people. Like I mean, to me. It was no different than J. Anthony Brown calling somebody nappy headed. Yeah, I, I understand. You know what, what I mean? I, and I think that um, you know. And, and I and think the reason they made such a big deal about it because he was this white man and he was making fun of black women. Well, he was making fun of black women no different than Chris Rock or 
or David Chappelle making fun of black women. Right, and I think it's the, it's what we call in, it's what we call in in psychology intent versus impact. So right. whatever his intent was, his impact. If you saw those girls, it hurt them. All right. So if if your intent to tell is to tell me that you love me and I'm and I end up crying and throwing you out the house. Mm-hmm. That was the impact of what you said, okay? Right, right. <laughs> That's not me. But here was my and here was my other kind of question comment uh-huh. about that incident, uh-huh. and that really stuck with me. I didn't see them bring any of the white girls up there. You well, know, the white girls spoke. the the first The first person that spoke was the, the there were there were two people that had. Right. That had but, um But when statements. you saw the TV, um, I know all of them spoke. All the girls got a chance, an opportunity to speak. But when they showed the media, like showed the re- replays, mm-hmm. they never showed the white girls because I watched it. And I said, well, wait a minute. Didn't he say all of them were thuggish and tattoos? Yeah. He's, he's talking about the whole team. Yeah, he, he did. And, and what know? I will and say is didn't like he a, say it was like a jigaboo versus the, you know, you know, that was the thing that stuck with me. He was versus the wannabes. Now, he's talking about a Spike Lee movie. Right, and he mentioned that, too. He said it was a Spike Lee movie. That's exactly what he said. Right. Um, and so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I just think, personally, for me, it hurt me for them. Mm-hmm. I, I, It's interesting because had it been said to me, I would not have been hurt. But it hurt me for them because they're freshmen and they're sophomores. And right. and and the way that it impacted them, they were hurt. So right. if you tell me that what I said hurt you, then I've got to deal with that, period. Okay? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if Dr. C or Dr. Phil or Brian or whoever says you shouldn't have been offended. It hurt me. And that's what I had to deal with. And that's why I said when I saw it myself, I cried. I cried because I couldn't, um, I was not going to be able to express myself to them, and I felt right. for them that they had to be put in that position. So that was what happened for me. Had it been me, he could have talked about me until the cows come home, and I would be like, poof, whatever. Right, and I'm not saying that I didn't feel for them because I felt bad about the situation. Mm-hmm. It was just that the way that the media immediately started to rip and and I, and I think it was more personally for me the fact that Al Sharpton came to voice his disapproval with such great fervor and you know he now all of a sudden he's the poster child for you know making sure that black folks get what they're supposed to get you know and and then I kept saying well wait a minute where has he been He's been around, and I think again, you know, it's, it's everybody is different. Every situation is different, and 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 we have four generations. We have matures, we have boomers, we have Gen X, and we have Gen Y. Not just for African Americans, but we have that for Asians and um, white Americans as well. So, I mean, it's going to be hard for any one person to speak for everyone. And uh, I listen to, a lot of times, I listen to this guy named Neil Bortz and I listen to Al Sharpton because I'm uh-huh. always interested in, in balanced opinions. And right. I, I, someone came to Al Sharpton and said, hey, this is my deal. My niece was on this team, and I didn't appreciate those comments. So I, I just think, you know, it's, it's one of those situations. It, however you feel about it is, is the way that you should a- absolutely feel about it. 
I don't think that the man, I don't, I mean, it's like, should he have lost his job? Well, I, I'm not so sure if he should have lost his job. I do think he should have been disciplined. And I do think that this thing called white privilege is what a, a part of what, what kind of made it difficult for him to understand initially that what you're saying might offend someone else. And, I, right. and, I, and that's from um, Peggy McIntosh, and she's a white um, female. She has an article called White Privilege, and that's where I, I get right. that thing from. So. Okay, Dr. Chair, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. With the Virginia Tech students, since you said the, the privilege, mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. lately on television all you've been seeing is this guy's background, mm -hmm. uh, the things that he that came up that happened. And it's pretty much it's almost like they're saying, you guys knew that this kid was uh, was a problem, mm -hmm. but you guys didn't do anything. And now, here it is, you have 33 dead students and 32, 33 wounded students mm -hmm. because you didn't act. You didn't, you didn't kick this kid out of school. You didn't take any actions to discipline him. Mm -hmm. are, are you seeing, am I right in what I'm, what I'm well, saying? Well, I just, I think that, um, you know, that's a very complicated and complex situation. And I always think that hindsight is so clear. Yes. Hindsight is so clear. And if you look at how many days, well, we've had 365 days in an, in an average year. Uh, how many school shootings do we have? We are, we are on the anniversary this week of Columbine, but school shootings don't happen every day in the 365 days. And, yes, there are people in, in society that do have, have challenges. So when you start to think about probability, because a, a lot of, you know, what we do is based on probability, that gives you a 50-50 shot that this might happen or it, it might not. The, the truth is, is that the cards were stacked much higher than 50-50 because it was probably um, a 90, a 90, 95% and 5% that it might happen. So it, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I also think that if you really listen to what the the gunman said, which they're very upset that we ever heard what he said, and if you listen to the way the people treated him, I think you also have another um, whole dynamic that I don't care to talk about, um, which would would really help to not explain why he did it because there is no way to justify it but to totally see another side of, of a, a very interesting story. Yes. On um, this week I think Oprah Winfrey, I think she had some panelists, some guys from the hip hop. Yeah. I, I didn't see it but I mm -hmm. heard about it. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, people are cashing in on the opportunity of getting viewers now because of the Don Imus? Well, I think that we have some stuff we got to talk about, and I think that it's it's bigger than than Don Imus, and I just think that we've got to not point the finger at just hip hop. We got to really look at everything because I mean, The Sopranos. How many people were they killing in that show a day? And yeah. if you look at a lot of, I mean, look at the video games. I mean, my goodness, cut off the head, you win some points. So, I mean, I think <laughs> yes, there is a lot of stuff going on, and we've got to collectively kind of look at these things. But more importantly, Webster defines intelligence as the ability to reason. And we've got to be able to, to kind of reason and work with our kids early on on reasoning. The worst 
type of logic that I've ever seen is this, I told you so, and I hear a lot of parents use that logic, and, and I'm like, well, wow, um, what is he going to learn, or what is she going to learn from I told you so? And one of my favorite scenes in any movie is from The Water Boy, and I use this in my, my trainings to actually train people. When the guy says, he asked the question, the guy that looks like Colonel Sanders in the movie asked, um, the, the main character in the Waterboy question, and he said, my mama told me the answer to this, right? <laughs> but he was wrong. His answer was wrong. And his mother's information wasn't correct, okay? And the boy was so upset, he went down there and charged the teacher <laughs> and yeah. because he couldn't believe that, well, no, but mama said, mama said. Well, unfortunately, if, if mama is saying, I told you so, and that's the only logic that we're giving our, our children, the ability to think critically is is gone. My mother always gave me the option to listen to rap music. She always gave me the option when I got old enough. She said, I want you to, you know, talk to me so we can go get you some, some pills if that's what you decide. And, and Lord knows I did not decide, and everybody was like, what is wrong with you? You know, my mother said, <laughs> my mother said, you know, if you need to drink, uh, we need to sit down and discuss how to do this and, you know, what's the appropriate way. I, I never did, okay? And what I always say is my mother took all of the, the things that my friends that I saw were doing, their parents didn't give them choice. Their parents didn't explain to them, here are the choices, here's the ramifications, here's what happens if you do it this way, here's what happens if you do it too much. What their parents said was, don't do it because I told you so. And every time their parents walked out the room, they were still in their cars, they were drinking, and they were doing all of these things. I never stole my mother's car. I never did anything to get in trouble because my I they gave me too much choice. They always gave me, do you want the broccoli or do you want the green beans? Huh. I'm going to have spinach. Oh, you want spinach? Okay, that's green. We can fix that. So it was, <laughs> it was choice. It, choice was introduced to me early, and I I knew that I had some power because I had some choice. And and I know it's not always easy, particularly with these new brilliant children that we have, but the better choices that we can help them to make, because don't listen to rap music because I said so, it's not going to be the answer. Okay. So you, th so you think that, that the parents now, we spoke about this earlier, you, you think the parents now are, they're stopping and they're not growing anymore? I think the parents aren't growing. The parents aren't listening to things that can help the parents grow. So I, t I said this earlier, too. Parents, you know, I'm asking people, what about my book? And they're all like, I'm going to buy this book for my child. Okay, well, good. Well, when is the last time your child has seen you reading? Hmm. Mm -hmm. When is the last time your child has heard you listen to a positive thinking CD? Hmm. Okay, my mother. I listened. My mother listened to Norma Vincent Peale when I was growing up. That's the when I was five years old. I I was like, hey, what is? I gotta listen to that. Norman Vincent Peale, yes, ma'am. Norman Vincent Peale, yes. five a five year old. Okay. Wow. And wow. that had a deep impact on me because I watched my mother. It's my model. I watched what my mother was doing, and that's what I wanted to do. Now, Dr. Cherry, I'm going to ask you a question now. Ask me a question. Yeah, the hard ones are the best ones. Huh? You know I'm coming with this question. Come on with it. I have, I have to ask you, uh, what did your parents tell you? I know, you know, we have parents now, the kids, they are afraid to talk to their kids about sex and drugs. 
Oh, my mother sat me down. My mother sat me down when I was darn 10. My mother sat me down when I was 11. My mother sat me down when I was 12. My mother just kept sitting me down all the way until I was 21. Mm-hmm. And she was like, sweetie, are you okay? <laughs> what does okay mean? I mean, she was like, you know, you don't have any interest in doing anything with anybody? You let me know. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to study. So what did your dad like my mom. That, Now, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, how did your dad deal with you on that issue? Um, you know, my, my, of course, my dad didn't, did not talk, talk to me about that. And the interesting thing was, in my family, my dad was the one that kind of spoiled me. So if I was sick, <laughs> I would go to my dad. My dad would be up when, because I had really bad cramps. My dad would be the one that would be up with me in the middle of the night and do everything I needed to have done. I, I mean, my dad knew more about my my cycle than my mother did. But when it came that down to that, his his only request was that I would date people that were at least of some intelligence because exactly. I liked athletes and he hated that. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did tell me. Now, we talk, everybody, the listeners that's calling, Dr. Cherry knows a lot about football. Love football. I'm an avid football. I, I Let me tell you something. Sunday, I have direct TV. I have the whole thing. I watch all the games at one time. We have the little game mix. We can see them all at one time. I, I just can't imagine. Sometimes people call me on Monday night. I'm like, sweetie, don't you understand? It's football. I'm watching football. Why would you call? <laughs> watching Michael Vick. Watching Michael Vick. Watching all of them. McNabb, whoever it is. Brady, you name it. I wanted to make a comment about the parents giving a choice. Mm-hmm. I think that is a good idea that they give their children a choice because most kids these days are very rebellious. Yeah. And they're going to do the opposite of whatever their parents tell them to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's important. That's Shakira? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, thank you. That's that's very important, and that's, that's one of the things I try to tell people. Um, if you were to tell somebody right now, a child, don't go in the street, the child's like, oh, the street. I wasn't even thinking about that. Let me head on out there. Because what you've done is you've introduced that in, into their, their mind. So that's why you want to offer two choices. And, and you also want to treat the person as if they, are in a, they have the ability to reason. And a lot of people are just, you know, giving one-sided arguments. And one-sided arguments don't even work, I mean, with anybody. Wow. Try to tell a two-year-old just one thing. That don't work. <laughs> Minister Brown can probably tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two-year-olds have their own. They, two-year-olds have their own agendas. So why would you think somebody 13 just wants to hear one side of the story? Dr. Collier, we have about a minute and 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. This hour went so fast. It did. You and I, we talk all the time. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm always picking your. I'm always trying to pick a brain, everybody. So how, if, if the listeners, they want to pick your brain, they need to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Um, the best way is to, they can send me an email, C at peoplepsychology.com, and that's drc at peoplepsychology.com. You can visit my website, drcherryc, d-r-c-h-e-r-r-y-c.com, and just reach out to me. I'd love to hear your questions, comments, and be there to support you. And what about your training? Do you can you 
offer training to groups? Or? I do. I offer neurolinguistic programming um, and what's something that's called timeline therapy to yeah, groups. We're going to have to talk about, talk about that one. Yeah, that's the best training ever. I mean, it, it, that training is probably, I would say, 75% responsible for my new thoughts. Good, good. Was there any last questions? We have about 30 seconds. If anyone <laughs> had any comments or they want to thank Dr. Collier or anything you want to say to her? I just wanted to say that we have a lot in common. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Uh-oh. I mean, it's good. Now, Terry, are you there? Yes, I was just about to say that I will be contacting you, Dr. Collier, because I, too, am a psychology uh, student. I just graduated a little while ago with my bachelor's, and I have a few things I want to talk to you about. Oh, yeah, talk to me, because I taught careers <laughs> for five years at, at, the, at Kennesaw State. Oh. So whatever you want to talk about. Okay, guys, this is this has been the Abundant Solutions Hour, and today's topic was what do you believe? And Dr. Cherry, we thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we, like I said, everybody, if you want to get in touch with her, she just gave you the information. Please feel free to get in contact with her. She will help you. She's helped me. I'm telling you, she is just just a wonderful woman. Thank you so much, Dr. Collier, and we'll see everybody next Friday night. Thank you all for having me. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.